guys, Jeff here from besttechie.com, and this is Techie Bytes episode 23. Today I'm speaking with Larry Gadia, founder of Envoy, a company solving office visitor registration. He's also worked for Google and Twitter. We discuss figuring out pricing, company culture, and whether Twitter had a dedicated server rack for Justin Bieber. Enjoy. Also, a quick programming note, I'll be taking a few weeks off from Techie Bytes, but fear not, we'll be back with more awesome interviews soon, so stay tuned. This podcast is supported by Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your own professional website. Choose a template you love or start from scratch, drag and drop to customize anything, and use advanced design features like video backgrounds and image galleries. You can even add professional business solutions like an online store, booking system, or blog. I've personally tested and reviewed Wix on Best Techie and can say without a doubt that Wix is extremely easy to use and a great choice for both novice and advanced users. So go ahead, try it yourself. Go to Wix.com and create your own website today. That's Wix, W-I-X.com. I'm here with Larry Gadia, the CEO and founder of a company called Envoy. They are re-envisioning the way people check in and uh, into you know as visitors in office spaces. It's actually I've actually used their system in the past when I visited a company uh, run by a friend of mine called Malware Bytes. They use their product. Um, nice. So Larry, welcome. Thanks for being here. I'm really excited to hey, have Jeff. you on. Hey, thanks for having me on. So I, I, before we get started, um, let's talk a little bit about who you are, uh, what, you know, what you're doing. Um, clearly, you started this Envoy company, but you also have a bit of an interesting background in terms of how you got started in technology. I remember the first time you were brought up on my radar screen uh, by, I guess, one of your PR people. Uh, they were telling me how like you like were riding like the trunk of some car or something like you were kidnapped. I'm not I'm not 100 percent certain about that. So it kind of they set me straight. In, uh, they put that in there, then there. I see. All yeah. right, that's good. That's good. So um, so yeah, how how, yeah. how did you get into the space? Yeah. Um. Let me see. I mean, it's it's really tough. I guess they they kind of already ruined it a long time ago. So let's see here. <laughs> I wonder what other piece I have to this, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just like tech's always been a, a, a strong interest of mine. And and just generally, like the things that people don't really think about is has been a big thing, too. Um, even when I was, what was it, like when I was in high school, I ended up writing uh, some of the software that they used for their report cards. Um, because it was like, apparently the, the school board was providing some terrible software the principal was like, we will have used none of this. this is terrible. And <laughs> it's just like ever, ever since uh, all, all the time while I was in, in school or any kind of different uh, thing, I'd, I'd always try to kind of solve the problem in, in like a new way. And, and it's, uh, and yeah, usually the computer was the way of doing it. My dad was an engineer and, um, and I guess he just like indoctrinated me and all that. So <laughs> never a dull moment. Nice. Well, what was the first programming language you, uh, you picked up? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this was probably it, it was uh, QBasic back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, it, it was really cool. I, I actually probably stuck a little bit stuck a little bit too long on QBasic, um, while people were kind of moved uh, like they just use it as a training language. I just doubled down on it. I started doing sounds like stuff with sound and with audio and like graphics and all this stuff that that people would just draw a line. I was doing this whole thing and I was like, all right, this is getting a little bit excessive and eventually moved on to other, <laughs> other things. I, I actually, I, I remember doing a little Q basic myself way back when, <laughs> um, 
I, I think I and I and I built uh, I built Pong. <laughs> oh, that's great! Oh, that's so kind that, of that cool. Was fun. That's actually yeah. pretty sophisticated to do too. Like it's uh, it's a pretty. Did you do it with graphics or, or just like text based? Uh, with it had some graphics. Uh, most nice. but it was mostly text based. Um, but that, it, but it, but uh, there were some graphics in there as well. Yeah, basic makes it easy yeah. for like anyone, and it's wonderful. Like it's a great learning language, and then and then uh, these days I don't even know what you'd learn with. It's you <laughs> just go straight into. I don't even know what it, like JavaScript is that the kids are doing. Uh, I, uh, JavaScript's popular, I guess. Uh, Python's another popular one. I, I, right. Uh, yeah. So. Try so, to get uh, the kids to care about the spaces. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so 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 you so you so you as we as we kind of uh, mentioned so far, you you've been in tech for a while. You started obviously programming a while back, and now you've started um, and, uh, this company called Envoy. Mm-hmm. Um, five five years ago, so you, you, you yeah, know, you're, you're you're you've been around for a, a, you know quite a while. Uh, hey, I guess in, in, in the tech space, in the tech space, which is like five years is like you know ancient history almost, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Um, it was a fun fact. Envoy was running Cubasic back in the day. For real? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> that would be that would be absolutely horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you had one like I thought you were talking about like you originally had this idea when you were in high school or something and you like you know you wrote you wrote this Q basic you know app for people to check I don't know yeah that would have been that. fun that would have been fun but schools do use a lot of Envoy today so I'm I am pretty happy about that but no it was not developed when I was 11 years old <laughs> gotcha um, so 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 you've always been interested in solving problems uh, especially what the, the thing about that Envoy that always kind of was interesting to me was it's I think I think it's safe to say and you know tell me if you think I'm wrong here but it it's not in the sexiest space <laughs> in terms of technology right yeah. um but it but it's, it's it's a problem that clearly needed solving um you know yeah this is a really big thing like it's it's kind of like there's so many problems around your day to day and especially at the office where people spend so much of their day um there's so many problems around there that aren't exactly like the most like People don't really pay attention to them. It's not really the sexiest. It's not the most exciting or the most uh, like uh, attention grabbing. But there are real problems around the office, and and one of the most obvious ones is when when a visitor comes into your office, like you spend so much time like uh, creating a great experience for your product uh, online and and on your website and and that kind of thing and building a brand. But then when people come into your office, they're oftentimes greeted by a desk with like a piece of paper on it. And then there's no one behind the desk because who knows where they are. And then you're kind of like, all right, cool. So what, what do I do here? I'll just wait here. I'll just wait around here. Yeah. And and like, and if there is somebody there, they call the person at their desk and like, who has a desk phone these days anymore. And honestly, who even sits at the desk they're assigned to, like we didn't even (laughs) do that in school. So it's like, it's just all these like really, really arcane kind of uh, concepts. And it's, it's one of these areas where where it's like this is just one of the very many things that that have these uh, this this kind of attribute that it's something we all put up with every day, but uh, is still critical to the business and could be so much better. Right. I, I look. I, I I've uh, been in offices, like I said, with Envoy, and I've also been in offices without Envoy, and the, <laughs> and the experience in, in, in my my firsthand experience is. Uh, obviously, it has clearly been a lot better when Envoy is involved. When there's some kind of check-in system where you know not only do you, it goes to, does the person get a notification in their email and on their phone or what have you, right? 
Uh, they also got a picture, so they know it's you. Um, and and I just I just had a lot better experience in terms of, you know, it's not like the receptionist or who's ever at the front desk or whatever is just sitting there and you're like, well, did they tell them? <laughs> or I just no, and that's on? yeah, that's a real problem. It's kind of like Envoy actually solves so many problems all at once. It's kind of like yes, there's all these people coming into your office. Um, and you need to keep track of them. So yeah, you're going to need to give them a visitor badge. You're going to need to notify the host and let them know. And your host may be on email, but they also may be on Slack or or on uh, like 20 different other uh, messaging platforms. True. Or you may want to send them a text message. And then it's like sometimes with these buildings where, where they try to be really transparent inside of their office, um, a lot of companies will also get you to sign an NDA. Because it's right. like, hey, by the way, we don't want to have to erase every single whiteboard and have everyone be super quiet while you're around to make sure that our IP doesn't get out there. So, so there's a right. lot of like really great things that that like these processes used to be really kind of painful. Like I, I remember going into some companies where I'd literally be handed a clipboard to sign an NDA, and that was the most awkward thing in the world. And like you're like flipping through pages, and you're like, do I have to sign all of these? Do you want me to initial <laughs> some of these? So, yeah, it, it just solves a very practical problem that in a way that that really kind of just sets the brand for for companies to to be much more forward thinking and modern. Um, and that's why a lot of our customers are, are really excited. Definitely. And, and 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 signing an NDA is definitely a, 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 a more I guess it's a more common practice. I, w- I was at the Facebook HQ in, in New York City and had to do that. Uh, they And they was all digital on a tablet. Yep. You, know, you go through it, you sign it and. Uh, and then they print out your visitor badge and, and things like that. So definitely, um, it's you know, Envoy has you know brought it a long way. Um, although one of the things you said before was you know it's it kind of was like ignored and and um, you know not kind of seen or, or thought about too much, right? So but now your 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 product is being used by companies like Slack and Spotify and so on. Um, yep. And when you, I, I'm just curious, when you first started selling the product, were were they receptive to it? Did they think that like, there was like a need, like this is an actual issue or like, or did you, you know, how did you have, like, was there, was there pushback on that? Yeah. So, so that's a great question. Um, when we first started uh, the product, it was actually very well received with a lot of these kinds of companies. The biggest issue we came up with, like, for example, uh, Pinterest is one of our customers. Uh, one of the issues that we had uh, getting Pinterest going was that they, uh, they actually had built their own system. So there's here's this company that like is known for something much bigger, and and here they are coming like they they literally had an intern that built their visitor sign in because they wanted a really great experience for their front desk, and um, of course what happened there is like there's like a credit card that like stopped paying the Twilio account and then nobody <laughs> would get text messaged anymore. It's always one of these kinds of stories, but but really what they wanted is they had this for a while, and and so does Facebook and Google and Apple. They all built their own kind of system. So um, it's, it's it was actually quite well received at first. Um, and, and especially in Silicon Valley, where these companies are very, um, uh, they're very open to trying new things. And they're very good in supporting local companies around here, too. Um, it's uh, it, it, it just spread like wildfire. Um, and then over time, as it kind of got proven out, now we're well outside of uh, well outside of Silicon Valley. Like we were, what is it, 18 or 20 percent? Uh, in Silicon Valley, and then everything else is outside of it. And now this is including stuff like schools and gyms and factories, and and it's just like well, well, well past any kind of tech thing in San Francisco, which is 
which is always nice because the first few days I can tell you it was not, I was like, Oh geez, I hope we didn't, we're not one of those companies that solved one of those Silicon Valley problems only. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. I mean, clearly, you know, you want the market to expand beyond just the Valley. And I think, I think, you know, clear you've done that uh, by getting in schools is obviously key. And, and gyms is also another great Avenue. I, I, I'd imagine for you. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's whenever they need, whenever somebody has a visitors from outside of their company coming into their company or business or retail, or whatever it is. Um, a lot of the time they really need to keep track of that. There's all sorts of security concerns. There's all sorts of privacy concerns. There's all sorts of compliance requirements. Like, especially in factories, they have all these different compliances they need. Like if you're, um, if you're dealing with food, you need certain food, uh, um, uh, certifications that require you know everybody that goes in and out of your building and it's just mm -hmm. like these are the kinds of very practical things that that they need a full audit log and if you run a data center envoy is amazing in data centers because it, it really helps you pull up like you can have your pci compliance you can get your your SOC compliance your iso 27001 and all these like crazy acronyms um you can have all these compliances because um envoy will help you with keeping track of everyone going in and out of your building Gotcha. So when you first when you first started building the product, right? Um, what did you let, let's let's break it down to the most basic kind of features or functionality or must haves, right? What were two of the the biggest uh, or most important things that you believed as the founder Envoy needed to have before you hit before you shipped it out to a customer? Yeah. And how did you come so up with those? Yeah, that's a that's a great question because it's uh, it's always very different for every company. Um, for me, the big thing, the big thing, and this isn't really a feature, but it's more of just like a thing, I guess, is is that it needed to be very usable. It needed to look good, and it needed to be something that anybody could grasp. Um, so this was a big problem. And in, in the past, what existed is a piece of paper, or what existed is kind of these like building kind of security visitor management systems, or like. The, the disgruntled security person on the other side of the <laughs> table would be like, all right, cool. So what's your name? Who are you here for? And and like I totally feel for them because they're usually not even employed for the company, they're employed by the building. And it's like this temporary situation. So it's kind of like it's it's it was very like the software they would use. They wouldn't even pick um, and and they were just using it. And, and it was just a bad experience. People would have to give them their their driver's license it would get scanned by some machine in the back. Um, so we really just felt like, wow, this, this, this is absolutely just not how it should be. This should be a much better experience. Like the visitor should be typing in their own name. The visitor should be doing these things. Um, right. and, and it's much more scalable that way too. Uh, and then now the front desk person can really just say hello, get them coffee. I'll talk to them about their day, you know, do the human things and let the machines do the machine things. <laughs> right. Right. No, definitely. I, I think that, um, sometimes that's lost when, when you're, lost in the shuffle if you will when especially when the front desk person has to do you know i guess double duty they have to make sure that the person that you're coming to visit is aware that you're there gets you a name tag or a badge or whatever also um you know be personable and 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 yeah. and, and get you you know get you coffee water tea whatever. and and do the ten thousand other things that right exactly sign for packages to do yeah. but don't <laughs> even like it's it's like half the your office manager or, or your security person or, or these people, they are so incredibly busy because it's it's one of those jobs. It's, it's a very like oftentimes a very thankless job. Like you see this oftentimes with uh, office managers 
they'll be uh, they'll you only find out that that they're around when something isn't done and right. and it's kind of like they're they're so busy all the time they're running around ordering food for catering they're planning events they're doing ea work half the time like there's all these different things so it's it's kind of like you shouldn't require like they can have a desk at the front and they can be there whenever they're kind of answering emails or kind of in between things but but it's kind of like if they're not at their desk like that shouldn't just hold up everything you shouldn't just hire somebody to just stare at a door all day so oh, yeah, um, yeah so so the main kind of thing like one of the two things i guess is is the experience is really really important and and i i knew that, that from day one that this needed to be just completely different and needed to be very easy to use something anybody can understand and be excited about because like it's not typically something you get excited about um right. yeah so that's right. one thing and then the other really is just about um making it really easy to to it's again kind of on the usability but it's it's making it really easy to get started as well. Um, oftentimes, these kinds of systems, you would you would need to kind of bring in an integrator, and the integrator would show up. They'd like install the thing. They'd like bolt it down to your desk, and like sometimes they'd have to install like this Dell like box on there, and like this monitor that breaks half the time, and and this kind of thing. And it's it's like it, people just have iPads kicking around, like literally, and just like a shelf somewhere. Every business has an iPad somewhere. Um, and, and, and it's basically the, the concept was like, Hey, if somebody has an iPad kicking somewhere, they should at least be able to take it out of the shelf, put it on the desk and then use that to try it out for free, uh, and, and see if they like it. And, and right. that's exactly what we did. And, and by making the hardware really easy to get and making it really easy for the, for the visitor, uh, and, and focusing on the visitor experience, um, we, that's how it just, it just blew up, um, in, in all sorts of companies around here. And then. Uh, outside. Gotcha. So I want to talk, I want to shift gears a tiny bit and I'll talk about um, pricing, which is something you and I had talked about in the past a little. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for entrepreneurs and, and, and founders and, and anyone who's launching a product and has and wants to monetize it in some way um, by charging for it, uh, pricing is always a kind of a, a, t- a touchy and can be <laughs> difficult task. Um, yeah. How, how did you approach it for Envoy? Honestly, um, pricing is one of the hardest things that anybody has to ever deal with because you never know if you have it right. And you're always told, hey, you should double the pricing. Um, and then at the same time, you're hearing from your customers, this is too expensive. Mm. Um, pricing <laughs> is different for everyone. Everyone has a different budget. Everyone has a different way of, of thinking about the problem. Everyone understands value in different ways. So honestly, the way that we did our pricing was uh, it started, Envoy started, I mean, it did have less features at the time. Envoy started at, what was it? It was like $10 a month. Uh, It was actually, no, it was $10 one time purchase. And then, uh, and then I had the bright idea of making it, hey, let's do it monthly and let's charge $20 (laughs) a month. And then I was like, hey, you know what? Let's, let's bring it up to, what was it? $75 a month because why not? And then, and then people kept on buying and it kept on growing. So then I was like, okay, well, let's do $99 a month. And then people kept on buying and I did $249 a month. And basically <laughs> what I did is I just kept on bringing it up until enough people complained uh, where it was like, all right, cool. This is a good point right now. And then what happened over the years is that we created different tiers at the different price points. Um, right. What we more recently did is now we're we're now we're focusing a lot on um, we're not fo- like it's kind of like we have a, a strong team here that's focused on the enterprise functionality, and this is stuff like integrations with like Wi-Fi systems. So when somebody signs in, 
it generates a username and a password on their Wi-Fi um, by integrating with a bunch of different Wi-Fi systems. That's so these nifty. kinds of security and um, and enterprise integrations, these are now on this enterprise plan that is uh, that is more than the 249. Um, but uh, yeah, it's basically, it, it does depend. And, and we will, I think, be changing the pricing at some point um, to better reflect kind of the use case and, and the value um, but it's, it's, uh, it's the pricing is, is there's, there's no science to pricing and anybody who says that there isn't science, um, <laughs> like it just doesn't, it, there isn't. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm really, uh, really, I, I really have to agree with you. I think it's very, it's a very subjective kind of science, um, more art than science for sure. Yeah. Although I, I'm curious if you still have any of those $10, lifetime subscribe member we did okay we do actually so so uh, envoy's been pretty good about grandfathering a lot of uh, existing customers um we usually like a lot of the the previous people like we they've gone through multiple migrations where um we don't have the one time people because they were at the time just only like three of them or five of them so it's still pretty mm -hmm. small um but we do have a good amount of like our old uh what is it 75 there's like the, the $50, $75 a month people. And then, um, but but they, then it's kind of like, well, they only get access to one office and then that office has limited functionality. So it's kind of like the way we've migrated them is based on their feature set. So right. it's, uh, that way it's fair for everyone. Cause it's kind of right. like, no one likes to know that like they're paying triple for the same product as right. somebody else. And, um, then, and, and then I'd imagine the goal at some point is if that company grows and expands that they would switch to a different uh tier that incorporated uh more of the the new features and other other multiple offices and things like that absolutely yeah and just wait until that pricing discussion comes up and they've been anchored <laughs> the last two or three years to uh, a super low price in comparison to what the sales rep is saying <laughs> right right exactly um so so your company has grown uh from you know you and a couple people to more than 75 people, uh, That's right. correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah. And, and I, I know that, you know, in the Valley, there's, there's, you know, there's that Emily Chang book, that Brotopia, and the, you know, every, everyone's talking about cult, company culture now as, as, as if it's this new thing that didn't exist. <laughs> um, Work with good people, who would have thought? <laughs> right. Um, I'm, cu I'm just curious, you know, if you could share, like, how, how have you scaled culture efforts at Envoy as you've continued to grow the company? Yeah, culture is really tough. Culture can mean a lot of things, and um, it's, it's a really complicated thing. Uh, the way I, I would kind of, the way I would kind of bring it down is, is I, I'm, <laughs> I'm working on a theory here, but like basically what, what a lot of culture comes from is good management practices. So this is stuff like focusing, uh, like this is stuff like um, managers should be uh, in the service of their of their reports and not the other way around. Like somebody shouldn't be doing something because their boss told them to. Because mm -hmm. if, if it's that in that direction, people aren't very motivated and excited. They're doing it so they don't lose their job. Uh, instead, people should be doing it because they feel like, oh, wow, this is actually like I'm really interested in this and I have the full support of my manager to do it my way. And, and they will discover all sorts of problems and they're gonna screw it up a whole bunch of times and, and they're gonna do all the problems that they were sure they would not actually do, um, but it's okay. And, and it's that kind of failure and learning from it that is so critical to, to a company culture. So really, um, the, the way that I've scaled it over the years is basically 
Um, my direct reports have to be people who have done this job before, who, uh, who have done like their function before, like engineering or like revenue or sales or that kind of thing. And, and they need to have a kind of learned this at a, at a, like a while ago that, that yeah, people need to kind of be just like thrown into the water and they need to screw it up a whole lot. Um, but they need to kind of just learn from it and they need to be, uh, allowed to kind of fail. Um, so that's, that's been really key for us. And, and I, I noticed that like, as, as the company grew, um, it's, it's like, this is, and I've seen this in a lot of other companies, especially, um, different functions will have different cultures. Uh, and it all depends on who their leader is and, and although, uh, like they're a functional leader. So, so it's really important that, that you hire those people that are experienced, that know, um, kind of that, that hold really high values, uh, and that embody things that, that the founder or, or company believe in. Right. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, I think you're right on. I think failure often, you know, will often lead to, uh, less lessons that need to be learned. Um, you know, as if, if if you constantly, you know, are getting praised by, by your boss or, or as, as a founder, you're doing the great job or whatever. Um, and, and you never learn failure when, whenever something really bad happens, you're in, mm-hmm. a, you're, you're going to be in a really tough spot because yeah. you've never dealt with that before. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. If your boss is always only giving you like positive feedback all the time, um, because they're afraid to tell you bad things. Uh, what happens is that you are then like kind of it's like, oh, my God, there's things like bad. This must be really bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's um, uh, what's it called? Uh, what was that book uh, that I recently read? Well, there's, there's multiple books about this, but it's um, it's just important. These are the kinds of things that are really important as a manager um, to to kind of learn and get really good at. Right. So I, I and, and I, I'd imagine you're no longer directly involved with each and every hire at the company. So what what kind of processes have you put in place? to uh for your managers you know to look for and how and in terms of how they hire well so we do have core values as a company and and i make sure that all of the people that i hire um not only embody those core values already but like are actively looking to promote them or i guess like evangelize them so um so when when i hire somebody i make sure that they already believe in all of this so that way when they hire somebody they also look for the same things so it's it's again it goes right back up to like the managers all the way up need to be completely aligned on these on these values and they don't just need to agree with them they need to want them to exist and and to push them so um yeah so that's a that's a really really important uh piece about this no definitely so let's jump back in time a little bit um you spent some time at google and twitter um before founding envoy uh, and, um, you know, what, what, what did you learn at each of those companies? Obviously Twitter, when you were there was still, you know, wasn't a public company at this point. <laughs> no, it was um, not. It was not. Um, but Google, uh, Google was, and, and, um, I'm just curious, you know, lessons learned that you've taken to Envoy from, from, from your experiences and time there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Twitter and Google were both very different companies, um, although similar, very different. Um, Google was uh, very big and and Twitter was very small. Um, when I was at Google, I think we were up to like, I mean, at the time it was very big. So it was like 20,000 something people that, that worked there. Um, and then when I was, this was 2005. And then in 2009, when I joined Twitter, there were 40 people. So um, it was a very different world from from the two companies. but. 
what I noticed at Google is that like it was a bunch of really smart people that all had the right intentions, that all were like very motivated to do their work. All of them were there to do work because they liked doing work. They didn't they weren't doing it for some other cause. They weren't doing it so they can get the cash so they can buy that big boat or car or whatever it is that people buy. Um, it's they were doing it because they enjoyed what they were doing. Um, and then at Twitter, it was uh, it was very it was exactly the same thing, but it was much, much, much smaller. So the kinds of stuff I learned there was, well, I was first of all, I had been at Google for like four years. So I'd, I'd like completely understood that culture and just expected it of everyone, um, mm -hmm. which is good because Twitter also had that. But what Twitter had that Google didn't is 40 people. So um, a, a, an environment where you basically are just expected I, I don't even know if expected is the right word here but like it, an environment where like hey guys here we all are um let's deal with this growing situation and let's right. deal with this and that there's no like there's no plan there's no like there's no big like top-down directive and like specific things everyone's going to do this and like that kind of thing it's just a bunch of people trying to make everything work and and it's kind of what i learned at twitter was just the the startup of of um of the company and and how um how people can really kind of how every single person is so incredibly critical to a company's success or failure like in, in envoy today if, if one person really wanted to they could easily take down this entire company like the entire thing uh one person could, could take it down and it's um and it, it, that's what it's like in in a startup and and it, it's not for everyone because that is a high pressure thing but I mean, it's still pretty hard to take down a company. Companies have a way of fighting. Um, but it's uh, it's it's kind of like it, it's a really interesting way of looking at it. Um, whereas in a bigger company, it, it, there's not nearly that that kind of responsibility. So right, right. I, I guess the gist is that both of them had really really great cultures, very similar cultures. Um, but I felt that Twitter was a much better place to kind of learn about like, hey, if this doesn't exist, like you got to do it. You just got to build it yourself mm -hmm. because nobody else is going to because everybody else is doing a billion things as well and is is way, way overtasked with, with things. Right. So you were an infrastructure engineer at, at Twitter. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. So, so kind of explain what that means just real quick. Um, basically, that's a, it's a back end like it's um, a systems engineer. So this is this is somebody who basically works on nothing that somebody will ever see. Mm -hmm. um, but it's something that will keep the service online that will scale uh, when when there's a when there's a whole bunch of people that like Twitter had when I was there, it was um, it started in the hundreds of tweets per second. And then by the time I left, there were thousands, I think tens of thousands, let's just say thousands of tweets per second. Um, if you can imagine in any one point, let's say um, a thousand people tweeting in the exact same second. Um, that's a lot of, that's a, that's a lot, like it, that's a lot of people saying things. So those tweets need to be distributed. They need to be uh, delivered in people's timelines. They need to be like, uh, properly checked for spam. They need to be checked for all sorts of relationships. Is this a private message? Is this public? Who should it go to? Like, these are very complicated things to do at scale when you have thousands and thousands of people doing something in any one moment. So, um, so my job was basically to help the team, um, figure out kind of different ways of speeding things up. So, mm. um, there's all sorts of crazy stuff we use, like stuff like memcache and, and like proper database caching and, um, and, and just optimizations, performance. Um, I did a lot of tooling around, uh, enabling 
uh, distributed testing as well. Like we got to a point where, where like the way Twitter is, we know whenever we push something out that it was going to work is that we had thousands and thousands of tests that ran that code to make sure that it's, it's, it's okay. And it's going to do what's expected. Um, but as you get more and more tests and more and more code and people, things slow down a lot. So one of the systems I built there was something for the backend, which distributed our tests amongst like 80 or by the end, it was something like a couple hundred servers. Uh, whenever somebody made a change to the code, they could run tests on hundreds of servers at once to get the results in, in like two minutes as opposed to two to five hours. <laughs> right, right. And there and there are a number of companies out there dedicated to this today, too, mm-hmm. um, that, 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 yeah, that allow you to do people that. People like Travis, Circle, um, there's a bunch of them that, that do this kind of thing. Um, hopefully some company actually starts doing it properly using stuff like AWS Lambda and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, because these services that do exist today are a little bit wonky. They require you to buy these servers up front. And it's like, I just want to be able to launch like 10,000 different test threads and have it all be done in seconds. Right, I don't right. want to provision servers, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get that. So maybe you can clear something up for me since uh, since you were there during Twitter's kind of crazy years <laughs> when there was a lot of fail well stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, Did Justin true. Bieber... Yeah really have his own dedicated rack <laughs> no that was just biz being biz and he took a picture of one of our servers after getting access to the label maker earlier than he should have and uh <laughs> no, he, uh, no it wasn't it, no the, the way this uh, if uh, a distributed system can't have a single point of failure and if that right. one uh if that one machine went down uh all of uh bieber's millions and millions of uh, believers would not be very uh very <laughs> with that so so they had to. Um, it was you can be sure it was distributed, but it's an okay. easy way. To, it's an easy way to understand what's going on, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, I think there are probably you know people out there who who still believe that. Um, but I, I, you're right. As if it's a truly distributed system, that would not be the case. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you've got a server back there somewhere, and I don't know how they changed your architecture, but it's possible. Okay. Well, I'm good to know that. Last question before we get to the lightning round sure. um, that I have for you. So uh, what's the future of Envoy beyond, let's say, guest sign-in? It, you know, is that what your core focus on right now, or do you have your kind of eyes on other things as well? Yeah, so great question, um, because it's, it's, it's very simple to kind of um, – a lot of people kind of see our product, and they're like, oh, wow, okay, this is interesting, very simple visitor sign-in. Um, as of a few months ago, we actually launched a new product called Envoy Deliveries. And Envoy Deliveries is all about all of the boxes and packages that come into your office. Uh, typically, what happens is you just end up with this mountain of boxes all piling up. And it's, and it's kind of like, oh, okay, like, who's this for? And like, people never pick them up and that kind of thing. So we built a product recently around uh, you take a picture of all the shipping labels. We do OCR to find out who it's for. And then mm-hmm. we automatically email or SMS or whatever the, the employee every single day until they pick up the package. So this is, <laughs> this is yeah, and it, and it works Pick up great. by attrition, just kill, you know, enough emails, enough enough texts, they'll, they'll finally go get it. <laughs> no, that's exactly it. It really is one of those, like, it's, it's one of, you got to keep repeating, and, and they do, um, and, and it works great. Like, uh, every, all the companies that install the Envoy Deliveries product, they just see substantial, substantial odd um like increase in the amount of people picking up their packages quickly uh so that way they need much less big rooms um because oftentimes people lose like an entire meeting room because they just shove a bunch of boxes in there 
Um, but now it's kind of, it's way faster and it's, it's, it's way easier, but it's a great example of another one of those things that, that people don't really think about. But when you do see it, you're like, oh, wow, this is a major part of the office. Like everybody has their boxes delivered to the office because they can't deliver at home. And we live in a world where like Amazon owns all of us. So basically (laughs) we just have to, uh, like, you can't just ignore the problem and say you can't ship stuff to here. Um, so it's, it's the problem has to, like, it's, it's a big one. So, um, one of the things that we did recently is we launched this product and now it's, it's, uh, it's an additional product you can purchase and, and it it works very similar to Envoy, but uh, now it's mostly for the employees. So the way you can think of our company is that there's a lot of these kinds of problems around the office. Uh, think of like your meeting rooms or the door access, or think about where people are in the office or what the ventilation's like, or or just all these different infrastructural things to your office that that are are oftentimes run by a facilities team. And and basically, think of all the problems that a facilities team would would basically handle. And and those are the things that we are really focused on. And and kind of whenever we do something, we want to be really new about it. And we want to want to be innovative about it. And it'll um, there's a lot of infrastructural things that that we will uh, be addressing over time. Um, and we're going to build a whole platform around it so anybody can have access to the data and, and just kind of be much smarter about their office and, and its utilization. That sounds really cool. I think, like I said, not the sexiest uh, of, of industries, but definitely one that, <laughs> that gets a lot of use and uh, needs needs improvement for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I mean, honestly, that's my the way I kind of look at it is like that's that's what's attractive about our company. It's kind of like. Mm-hmm we go after the problems when everybody else is going after the shiny things and, and we've built an entire business on this, but we basically take these things that are not as allegedly not as exciting and we make them exciting. And if we can't make them exciting, then we failed in our job. So um, it's, it's a bit of a challenge for us and we basically have everybody here that is, is motivated in the exact same way. So it's a, it's a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool um, kind of thing we've, we've got going and, and I'm really excited about just the kind of stuff we're going to be building as, as we go on, because there's a lot of really terrible things around the office that we can make much better. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to keeping an eye on Envoy and what you guys build over there. Uh, and right. speaking of Amazon owning our lives, just real quick, like <laughs> I, uh, I took a picture, I don't know, last year or something. It, it was the it was like UPS bringing uh, a, a bunch of packages on a, you know, a hand truck into our apartment building to put them in the secure package room or whatever. And literally all but maybe two were had Amazon logo designs. <laughs> yeah. <on them. laughs> that's how it goes. Yeah, that's how yeah. it goes. I mean they've uh, they built quite a business and it's it's one around customer experience and caring about the customer um, and and like just o- always impressing and and, and uh, just scaling that. And that's really, yeah. really hard to do. And it's it's always the same things. Like, look at Apple. They're exactly the same way. Look at Google. They're exactly the same way. It's all about user experience. Um, and, and, and and this applies to the B2B world as well. It's not just consumers. Um, because right. in a B2B, there's a bunch of people that are that are consumers as well. And, right. and that's what yeah. everybody keeps forgetting about. Do not design your products for the RFP purchaser or procurement departments. Design right. it for the people that will actually use it, and they will somehow be telling their company, we are going to be using the software as opposed to being bid up against a whole bunch of other people. Right. And, I, and you know what? I, I think, I think uh, you know, because software and hardware has gotten to 
a point where it's much more user-friendly and companies are designing much better user experiences, uh, even in the B2B you know, side of the, of the world, uh, as opposed to B2C, uh, you know, those people are also consumers, like you mentioned, but they expect yep. the same kind of experience across yes. the board, whether that be in their office or in their home. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's kind of like you have this whole uh, smart home thing going on where people have like their Nest devices and their Hue light bulbs and like uh, what are the weird stuff, the scales and motions, like all this stuff that, that exists in people's houses. Um, imagine that for the office. And mm-hmm. you still have, first of all, there's there's clearly a need because this is happening in the in the home. Um, the automation is definitely still uh, necessary in the office as well. But the people that are buying these things are now used to these really great experiences at home. So they expect only the same thing uh, at the office. So um, when, when two pieces of software are the same, and, and we see this all the time, uh, what happens is that Envoy will be pit up against somebody like a legacy kind of provider of, of sign-in software and and it's just like it's it's a no-brainer whenever whenever these decisions come up for people because it's like well do i use this product that's like that that like i i've heard of for the last 20 years and i need to like run this windows 95 thing with like internet explorer 4 <laughs> it hasn't been updated reason. in just as long yeah it hasn't been updated <laughs> but don't worry about it like apparently security is not a thing like it's, it's just like it's ridiculous so so basically um people are choosing the product that that focuses on the user experience and that's that's so important, and that's what I'm. That's what that's what we're really excited about, and, and me in particular. Nice. Well, Larry, I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Let's round this out because you've made it to the lightning round, which <laughs> of right, course is supported exciting. by supported by Wix, where you can create a professional website today. That's Wix W I X dot com. So thanks to Wix. Uh, thanks. And Wix whenever awesome. you're ready, one of our one of our support guys worked there. He loved it. It's a wonderful company. Oh yeah, that's awesome. I, yeah, I've heard good things. I've used their products, tested them myself. They're very, very mm-hmm. good. Um, all right, so here we go. Your favorite? I'm sorry. Your uh, your song of the summer. What's your current song of the summer? Oh my god, uh, this is killing me. I uh, what did I even <laughs> listen to? I I don't know, man. Like I I was listening to. Oh man. So lightning means it's, I'm supposed to be answering this thing quickly, right? <laughs> as quickly as possible. There's no. I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna go with any Bieber song, just because that's what we're talking about. All right, sounds good. All <laughs> right, um, favorite thing to do on weekends? I I usually so I do this game streaming thing where I play games off of servers and then stream it to my terrible laptop. It's great. <laughs> okay. Um, would you ever go skydiving? Absolutely, and I have multiple times. It's wonderful. It's a great way of not being sure if you're gonna make it. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm not sure if I would go. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I I'm, a, I, I'm a risk kind of taker, but I don't know if I would go skydiving. Maybe. Yeah, it seems a, <laughs> it seems like a calm thing to do. I don't know. The uh, running a company, you want something like slightly <laughs> terrifying? Try running a company. <laughs> <laughs> steak or lobster? Uh, steak. Lobster is too much fighting. You gotta like deal with the shell, and like you only get a little bit of meat. It's not enough bang for the buck. Yeah, although, although if you can get a, a really good lobster roll, that's obviously pre or. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I, I understand. I hear where you're coming from. I always think like lobster is like the only thing that actually like, like the food that fights back when you eat it. Like you can actually <laughs> get like cut like eating yeah. lobster. <laughs> you definitely can, and I have gotten cut, and I think that that's why I chose steak. Ah, uh, good choice. All right, last one. Here you go. 
What's one thing you wish you had more of? Um. Oh wow. Okay. I was gonna say I w- immediately what jumped up is time, but that's a little bit too. Uh, that's a little. Uh, what do I wish I had more of? Um, uh, let me think here. I wish I had time? more time to answer this question. <laughs> time's good. Yeah, um, time's good. I, I wish yeah, I had time more time too. Actually. Like money buys time, and that's that's the way it works. Um, right. You should always be very skeptical of anyone that answers. Has anybody answered money for that question? You know, this is the first time I've asked this question. Okay, that's good. That's good. Be very, <laughs> very curious of anyone who says money for it. But yeah, I'll have, yeah, I'll have time, to I'll throw it in it's one of all, the next it's ones. It's very short. So you're going with time then? I'm going with time. All right, that's a good one. I, I like time. I was I would say time too if it was me. Time's tough. <laughs> all right, well, Larry, Ga- uh, Larry Gaeta. I think I butchered that again. I, yeah, I, I know it differently every single time too. It's, I know uh, so that, that's that, we were talking about that before we started, and so um, I just I, <laughs> I, I, I made a I made a I made a promise to try not to, but I think I messed it up. Um, Larry, thank you so much for being on this episode of the podcast. It's been it's been great, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Absolutely, thanks so much for having me, Jeff. Really appreciate it. Uh, great um, great chatting again, and uh, would love to do this again in the future. Thanks for listening to Techie Bites. Stay tuned for more episodes every Tuesday with awesome interviews and conversations about technology and business. If you like what we're doing, please consider supporting the podcast at anchor.fm slash besttechie and or by leaving a rating interview on iTunes. Both ways help us greatly and are much appreciated. So thank you. Until next time, we'll see you. And remember, remember, take care of your computers.